0: from the KLYT broadcast studio this is ABQ Connect your input on today's topic is important to us join in the conversation by calling 505-338-5790 or text 505-585 live ABQ Connect
1: well, i know we've uh, we've talked this up considerably the life courses at Calvary Church courses that are open to the general public free of charge Uh, Some of the courses have material that you may or may not purchase, but you're welcome to audit any of the courses, and some of them started Monday. Several of them will get underway tonight at 630 on the Osuna campus of Calvary Church on Osuna, west of Jefferson. Uh, The classes tonight include Divorce Care, Growing in Christ, uh, Life After Betrayal for Women, uh, Life Free from PTSD for Men. Uh, Also, uh, substance abuse classes, both uh, for men and women. Uh, They'll also be at uh, uh, 630 tonight. Without Anger, a a course uh, designed for men uh, and women living without abuse. That also starts tonight. The life courses, again, they're available to the general public. Uh, They're not intended uh, exclusively for those attending Calvary Church. Uh, or any of its campuses, it's for the the general public, uh, regardless of where you attend, if you attend, uh, if you're a Christian, if you're not, uh, all are welcome, and it's free of cost. And again, some courses have suggested material available for purchase, but all the courses may be audited. You can go to calvarynm.church for details about the life courses getting underway, uh, several of them tonight at 630 on the Osuna campus. Uh, The other thing I did want to mention regarding Calvary, the East Mountain Calvary Satellite Campus Interest Meeting is on the calendar. Um, It's going to be happening Sunday, February 25th at 11 in the morning. Uh, So if you would like to be a part of a satellite campus in the East Mountain area for Calvary Church, uh, come on out for the interest meeting and find out more. It's going to be at the Vista Grande Community Center in Sandia Park. Uh, That's Highway 14 uh, right near uh, La Madera. Uh, and if you want the details on that meeting, go to calvarynm.church. All right, uh, round, Roundhouse, uh, well uh, underway with its uh, session, and I, I believe it goes through what, uh, uh, the 15th, uh, Paul Guessing in
0: studio with us from the Rio Grande Foundation. Yeah, we are a week, almost as we speak, it'll be noon uh, from a week from today. Are you getting anything done up there? Yeah, most of it's not good. Uh, so we just uh, always live by the uh, statement that life, liberty, and property are not safe as long as the legislature's in session. And we're trying to do a life, liberty, and safety of our uh, New Mexico uh, folks what's going on in Santa Fe.
1: All right, so on uh, Errors of Enchantment, which, by the way, uh, uh, RioGrandFoundation.org is a website to go to to find out more about Paul's or find many of his posts on, on his blogs written at ErrorsOfEnchantment.com. And uh, I think Paul will start with that legislative update. And even when you wrote this, uh, what, on Monday? Um, some things have have, uh,
0: have progressed and, and maybe changed. Things change fast, especially in the final week or so of these legislative sessions because uh, bills are moving quickly. They've kind of separated the uh, the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, in terms of what they want to deal with. Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and just get right to it. HB 41, this is known as the clean fuel standard. It sets up a regime in which uh, different types of fuels will be placed into your gas tank and supposed to reduce CO2 emissions. There's uh, carbon credits and the like. Uh, It passed the House on a 36 to 33 vote, which means that obviously it passed, uh, so it moved forward. But given the numbers in New Mexico's legislature, you had some pretty significant opposition from Democrats, Uh, because Democrats have big numbers in Santa Fe. So if they want to push something and they have all their members unified, they can get it done. Uh, But this one was a narrow uh, situation. HB 41. Uh, After it made its way through the floor uh, of the house, it actually had its first committee hearing this morning in the Senate conservation committee. And it uh, made its way out of that committee. So I think from a, you know, From one perspective, it's smooth sailing at this point. I think this can probably make its way through uh, onto the governor's desk. And it is a governor priority. So, I have reason to believe that if the Democrats in the Senate want it to happen, they will make it happen. I was hoping my gas prices would go up. Oh, yeah. So. I'm sure you were, uh, like everybody out there. But uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you elect these kinds of folks uh, who have this left-wing economic ideology. And uh, they'll sacrifice anything for what they believe to be CO2 emission reductions. So um, that's one of the biggest bills that we are watching and we're concerned about uh like I said, the, the Senate, uh, really quickly, just as a process thing, the House is moving a lot of bills through the pipeline. The Senate has been much slower. So there's the saving grace potentially that the Senate continually moves, uh, continues to move pretty slow and doesn't uh, get this one to the finish line. But we'll see. Uh, another bill is paid family leave. This would impose a tax increase on employees and employers alike. HB6 is the House version. SB3 is the Senate version. Uh, like I said, the House was moving things quickly, and HB6 was going through pretty rapidly, and then it hit a House Commerce Committee, which has bottled it up and kind of stalled it. It's the same committee that killed... The bill last year, after it had made its way over from the Senate, it was looking like it was going to pass last time around, and it wound up uh, stalling in that committee. The House version has stalled in the committee. The Senate version uh, made its way out of the Senate Finance Committee on Saturday, uh, and we'll see if it gets taken up in the Senate. Like I said, Senate has been extremely slow to move on some of these bills, and uh, in this case for sure. uh, We appreciate slowness and deliberation.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, those opposed to this, obviously, very pleased to hear that. It's good news for them.
0: Yeah. uh, We'll just see how how it shakes loose. And uh, obviously, if it gets a vote on the Senate floor, then it's going to be up to the House as to how quickly they want to ram it through. Uh, If they they support this kind of thing, I suspect they do. Uh, And then it would be onto the governor's desk. But you know, SB three seems to be the one that's going to move, but uh, if they wanted it, they would have probably moved it to the floor uh, before now or you know earlier, since they had uh, had it out of the Senate Finance Committee and ready for floor action on Saturday. So uh, there's a couple others. HB 133 imposes some new regulations on the oil and gas industry, uh, part of a broader pattern of uh, the legislature at least putting forth concepts that will go after the oil and gas industry. I don't see that one getting through at this point, uh, but it is worth noting that you know in a 60 day session when they have more time, they uh, a similarly constituted legislature could. Uh, come after the cash cow. They at least convince themselves that this is a good idea uh, at some level. HB 129 is one of many uh, anti-gun bills that are being considered. Uh, This one was amended down uh, on the floor from a 14-day waiting period uh, to buy a gun to a 7-day waiting period. Uh, This is on the House again, so that passed through the House, and uh, we'll see what the Senate does. Again, Senate's just been super slow, and uh, we'll see if the Senate kicks things into high gear and what their priorities are over the last uh, last week of the session. But uh, so far, we are uh, pleased to report that the Senate's been moving uh, moving slowly. Well, and I hope this isn't a curveball,
1: Paul. I don't know if you're prepared to talk about this. You wrote a blog on it today. Uh, on the end of the blog you wrote on Monday, you mentioned – Uh, to see what the tax omnibus package looks like. And then uh, you continued some of that discussion on your blog today. Did you want to
0: touch on that? Oh, man. Uh, I'm glad to talk about this. So, boy. Uh, So, to start off, uh, the way the New Mexico legislature deals with tax provisions is a little different. Uh, You go to a tax committee in either the House or the Senate, and they don't actually – pass out any bills, uh, whether they love them or they hate them. They table them all, which normally means the bill's dead. But in this case, they table them for consideration behind closed doors. uh, And given that we have this $3.5 billion surplus, so yet another massive pot of money that we could spend here in the state of New Mexico, uh, there's uh, you know, impetus for some kind of big tax legislation. Uh, last year, we talked about what became HB five forty seven, the one that had thirty seven tax provisions in it, with another three point five billion dollar budget surplus, uh, and over only four provisions went into law. Uh, with that kind of money again available to them, the legislature uh, has real opportunity to make needed reforms that would really boost our state's economy. And uh, on the floor, in a in a debate, in an amendment that was put forth, uh, Representative Jim Townsend of uh, the Roswell-Artesia area put forth an amendment that would uh, take our state income tax down from a top rate of 5.9% to 1% flat rate across the board, which... Uh, that is tax reform. That is a real move in, the, in a direction that's going to generate growth, make New Mexico more attractive for business. Uh, believe it or not, we could do that easily and still have money left over from this surplus. I mean, average New Mexicans just don't understand how big our surpluses are because they don't see it in action. They see it frittered away by government. But We have a $3.5 billion surplus. If you eliminated the personal income tax, that would be about a $2.5 or $2.4 billion tax reduction. So you'd still have a billion dollars left over after eliminating the personal income tax. Now, they don't eliminate it. They take it down to 1%. So we're still talking hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Uh, from that tax,
1: uh, you know, I was being a little cheeky yesterday, and I don't know how much truth there was to this. Uh, but we were we on the air with uh, Carlos Sontag yesterday from the new, uh, new Mexico Business Coalition, and talking about some of the you know expanding government, some of the uh, uh, the, the de- new departments they want to open, and and uh, uh, you know load with with people that they need to pay, and and is like you know with the surplus, you know why the tax increase anywhere, uh, and. Uh,
0: well, the thought being, well, they got to pay for expanding government somewhere. Right. Well, uh, yes, although the amount of increase in the budget is not as big as you might believe. It's uh, relatively small at 6.5% this year, which, when you factor in inflation, isn't that huge an increase. Now, in past years, we've had double-digit increases in recent memory, so vast increases in the size of government, no doubt about it. Uh, back to the tax bill, though, uh, because what they what that was voted down on party lines. Republicans supporting the tax reduction, uh, Democrats opposing it uh, overwhelmingly. What is actually in the bill, and this was put forth and passed through the House yesterday, uh, mostly party line votes, but uh, some modest reductions in income taxes. Were included, uh, not the rates, just changing the uh, brackets a little bit to save folks some money. So we welcome that, but the the reduction in state revenue is one hundred and fifty nine hundred sixty million bucks in a budget situation where we have a three point five billion dollars surplus. That's that's a, a pittance when you're talking about the amount of money being foregone by the government. And as if that's not bad enough, they're adding in two tax increases, one on corporate and one on capital gains taxes. So corporate was businesses located here, bigger businesses. The other capital gains is when you earn money on a stock, you sell a business, you sell your house, you can be socked with capital gains taxes and essentially increasing those taxes. Then $25 million worth of targeted tax credits, Overall, uh, when all is said and done, the the tax bill reduces New Mexicans' tax burden by about $107 million annually overall. Again, a tiny fraction of the $3.5 billion surplus. And considering that the new budget contains, passed by the House, $621 million in new spending... We know what the legislature's priorities are. It's not you and me. It's not putting money back in our pockets. It's not growing New Mexico's private sector economy. It's not bringing jobs to New Mexico. It is grow the size of governments. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, which echoes some of what we covered yesterday. Uh, during our time with Carla, but uh, appreciate both uh, organizations. Uh, the Rio Grande Foundation, uh, uh, Paul Guessing is in with us, uh, and Paul's blogs that we uh, just alluded to are found on uh, the website at errorsofenchantment.com. Uh, and uh, listen, we're going to take a quick break and come back. We've got a stack of stuff to talk about. Paul's with us for the entire hour, and we'll return with more after the break on ABQ Connect. All right. Thanks for joining us on ABQ Connect. Uh, uh, Tune in tomorrow. We'll have an update, of course, our Friday financial update uh, with Brian Cochran from John Moore Associates. Also, our Heritage Foundation update. Lenya Heitzig will be in with us. You've heard about the love bomb and been encouraged to save the date for the weekend to consider your giving towards Uh, relief efforts globally through Reload Love during the Love Bomb uh, done annually. And Lenya will be in studio to give us details on that. That's all coming up tomorrow on ABQ Connect. And speaking of Lenya and one of her other ministries, uh, Sheology, they're preparing for an open house, ladies, uh, it is happening Saturday and Sunday, February 24th and 25th. Uh, it'll be before and after, you know, between the services uh, on the weekend at Calvary Church on Osuna, west of Jefferson, Saturday and Sunday, February 24th and 25th. They'll have appetizers, fellowship uh, activities, really for the whole family. Uh, come out and meet the geology team and uh, get some information about the breakthrough groups for upcoming Romance of Redemption study that's on the way, Uh, and get information about the Spring Gathering, A Better Day. That's on the calendar for April 19th, and more. Uh, You'll find details about the open house Saturday and Sunday, February 24th and 25th at Calvary Church on Osuna on their website. Go to Sheology.com. Uh, to find out more uh, we continue our conversation with Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation Rio Grande uh, foundation. org and errors of enchantment.com uh, if you really want to read through the the blog, uh, that uh, Paul, just this morning, um, and uh, some of the content we just discussed, you'll find that on uh, errorsofenchantment.com uh, right at the top. So I encourage you to do that. And, Paul, before we press on, uh, you know, we, we walked through some of the Roundhouse update, and I want to remind our listeners about a resource that you make available to them at RioGrandFoundation.org, the Freedom Index. Uh, and you could probably better articulate uh, what what exactly it is? Although I went on uh, this morning and kind of um, surfed around it, and w- there's a, a very
0: specific information available. Yeah, well, uh, we just redid our website. Period. Rio Grande Foundation It has uh, a trove of useful information on there. Uh, most pressing at this time of year is the Freedom Index, which you can find and click on and. That's where we track all the votes of the legislature, floor votes. Uh, We've got a few amendments that we're working on, including, uh, I mentioned the 1% income tax rate. Uh, People who voted for that uh, are going to get a boost in their ratings because uh, that's the kind of thing that we need. We need some bold reforms and uh, restoring taxpayer dollars to the taxpayers. Uh, There's another issue that we'll uh, talk about a little later that's also being included. It's an amendment. But the Freedom Index allows you to go in, find your legislators uh, that are supposedly representing you, your representatives and your state senators, and find out if they are voting to actually represent you and uh, if they are voting for limited government and personal responsibility. And, uh, uh, you know, you might be surprised. uh, It's not a party line situation. There are Democrats right now on the index who are performing quite well and have very positive scores. You get a positive score when you vote the right way, whether that's voting no on a bad bill or voting yes on a good bill. And if you vote uh, the other way, then you get negative scores. So uh, you can go online, find out how your representatives are voting. Now, I would say that I encourage folks to do this, but I also encourage folks uh, to reach out to their legislators in a civil way, uh, possibly after the session. Uh, It really is up to your judgment. If it's a bill that's moving right now, uh, feel free to try to reach out to them. Those legislators are all buried uh, in emails and buried in uh, a lot of information they're working on right now. you'll probably get a little bit better ability to engage, both if you uh, use a little bit of honey uh, as opposed to just vinegar in your language with them, and if you cite specific issues and say, hey, I saw that you voted uh, yes or no on this, that, or the other issue. Uh, I'm just really following this issue. It's a concern of mine. What is your take uh, on it? And That's how I would uh, approach that with your state legislators.
1: All right, you'll find that Freedom Index uh, on the website at RioGrandFoundation.org. The next topic, uh, actually, you know, uh, uh, I may have a question or two after you go through this, Paul, uh, but I I have a feeling there's actually going to be probably some of our listeners that have fallen maybe on both sides uh, of this uh, concern. Uh, But I'll I'll let you dive right right in as far as uh, talk about the alcohol tax hikes.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of proposals up in Santa Fe. Uh, The one that I was specifically looking at is HB 179, which, if adopted, would increase the tax on alcoholic beverages by 25 cents per drink. That is a massive increase. Uh, Currently, the state of New Mexico taxes beer at 41 cents per gallon, wine at 45 cents per liter. Spirits at one dollar and sixty cents per liter, so that's uh, you know hard alcohol. Uh, the increase in this proposal would go to uh, three dollars and eight per gallon for beer, uh, two dollars and fourteen cents per liter for wine, and seven dollars twenty four cents per liter on spirits. That's a six hundred fifty one percent increase, a three hundred seventy six percent increase, and a three hundred fifty three percent increase, respectively. Now, uh, there are arguments, I think, for limits on alcohol consumption, and certainly there are social harms associated with alcohol. Uh, There are separate provisions and bills being considered that would uh, direct funds to treatment programs, and we're perfectly fine with that. What we don't like, uh, this dates back to my... Grade school days of collective punishment. You're sitting there and uh, one kid is misbehaving in your class, and uh, the teacher decides to punish everybody. Uh, That's kind of where we're going with these kinds of policies. And, uh, you know, alcohol is a legal product, Uh, it is and should be a regulated product. Product and it's something that we should be watchful and wary of in terms of its impact on society and understanding that uh, f- there's a lot of people who use it uh, okay and a lot of people who misuse it and uh, I think we need to focus on them not just throwing a heavy-handed tax out at everybody and saying you know uh, we're going to make this unaffordable or much more expensive for a lot of folks and with the With the consequences of, you know, we've seen prohibition in this country. It did not go well. Uh, We've also got a lot of negative options out there in terms of uh, drugs that could be uh, abused in a much more profound way. You know, fentanyl being one example. But uh, obviously, you don't want to create a situation where people are substituting other forms of alcohol, including homemade alcohol, for uh you know, something that is at least tested uh, safe in terms of not having contaminants and whatnot in it, etc. So, uh, the good news is, is that this particular bill, and no alcohol-related bills, made their way into the, the tax provision that passed the House uh, yesterday. Another bill uh, left on the cutting room floor was HB 140. This is the governor's plan for EV Subsidies and mandates not included in that bill, which is ironic because or maybe it is a response from at least the House because the House said last year uh, and I was sitting in committee hearings listening to them talk about this. They said we passed a a EV subsidy bill, tax credit bill last session and the governor vetoed it. So why are we going to go pass another bill? for the governor this time around. And uh, maybe they just said, you know, we're tired of dealing with this, so we're not going to do anything on it. So uh, you never know. Things could could change. Uh, The Senate could add some of these back in. They could revise the bill, uh, et cetera. We could have a special session called by the governor. I mean, there are all kinds of options. It it could find itself uh, into an
1: executive decision regarding health.
0: Uh, yeah, there could be that. You you could have uh, a lot of different ways that this would be approached, but uh, uh, at least in the House version of the tax bill, it was not included. That's fairly significant. I got, I got a quick quick question. Uh, back to the alcohol tax. Uh, you know, for those who are
1: listening, and are like, fine, great. You know, I I, I want none of it here. Uh, or uh, I don't use it, so it's not a concern to me. Uh, but you mentioned the consequences for uh, a tax hike, especially this, this high, you know, as high as over 600% or 300%, uh, even 161%. Um, uh, would some of those consequences, and maybe I'm not understanding, uh, but would some of those consequences say, uh, well, for uh, grocery stores who carry alcohol, uh, if they're going to have this kind of a tax hike, uh, would it affect the the stores? And then would they pass it pass along that that tax hike on their other products in the store?
0: I don't know if other items would be impacted. Certainly, there are unforeseen ways that a, a big tax increase like this could be passed along because. Uh, especially those convenience stores, uh, they tend to operate where uh, alcohol is a big part of their profit margin, and that could cause them challenges. There are negatives and positives associated with but even those the convenience con- even, stores. Even the consumer, though, would they would they feel the impact
1: of it if they're not someone who does consume? Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know that that would happen necessarily. No, if you're not an alcohol drinker, I think the way that it would probably have the most profound impact on you as a non-drinker is that I think uh, various organizations that plan conferences and events here will have second thoughts because, again, like it or not, Drinking is one of the big things that people do on a social basis at major events, and if they look at the alcohol tax and say, holy cow, uh, this is ridiculous, and it's going to cost us a lot more money to have our event in New Mexico than it'll be to have it in another place, that could have an impact on the decision, and that could affect tourism and have economic uh, ramifications uh, on the way down. But it may be a moot point, possibly. Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: listen, if you just tuned in, we're spending the full hour with uh, Paul Guessing with the Rio Grande Foundation. Uh, go to RioGrandFoundation.org. Uh, that's where you'll find the uh, Freedom Index that we mentioned, where you can uh, kind of follow up on your uh, representative uh, or senator uh, and see you know how how they're acting uh, during the legislative session and how they rank with. Uh, Rio Grande Foundation, uh, in way of uh, their voting habits, uh, and uh, errorsofenchantment.com, which is uh, primarily where we uh, get the the headlines that we're discussing on a monthly basis, uh, and we'll continue to do that today uh, for the remainder of, of the show. And we'll get back to that when we come back from the break on ABQ Connect. All right, thanks for tuning in to ABQ Connect uh, daily at 1 o'clock. Always appreciate you taking the time not only to tune in, but to check out the archives of the shows you may have missed or you want to share with someone else. Go to abqconnect.online to catch that. Uh, Up in Santa Fe this weekend at the Mosaic Music and Arts Cafe, uh, it's one of the February events uh, they'll be having, is Christian Karaoke tomorrow night at 6 p.m., Uh, It's at the Santa Fe Church of the Nazarene in Santa Fe, north of Cordova Road on Don Diego. Some of the other events they have coming up uh, later this month on February 16th, an art show. And February 23rd, they'll have an open mic night. That could be fun or scary. Uh, but if you want details about the Mosaic Music and Arts Cafe, seems like a great place for the family to get out in Santa Fe and enjoy time together on Friday nights. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash Mosaic Music Arts Cafe or just search for them on Facebook, Mosaic Music Arts Cafe. Uh, again, that's at uh, Santa Fe Church of the Nazarene in Santa Fe, north of Cordova Road on Don Diego. Uh, we are pressing on uh, with our conversation today. Uh, with Paul Guessing, the Rio Grande Foundation, Rio Grande Uh And uh, the blogs that we're kind of walking through uh, are off of uh, their website, errorsofenchantment.com. And uh, towards the end of last month, uh, Paul, you wrote a blog uh, about uh, income tax rates, personal income tax rates uh, in 2024. Uh, some states seeing uh, those getting cut. Uh, And our state did not make that list.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, a lot of laws take effect at the beginning of each year, and we're not too far uh, gone into uh, 2024 that it's not worth noting that uh, a lot of states made some pretty significant changes to their income taxes. uh, And generally speaking, they were reducing those income taxes in uh, the start of 2024. So, Fourteen states did that, uh, and I'll quickly list them. Montana, Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Connecticut, and New Hampshire. Looks like New Hampshire gets the blue ribbon. Well, New Hampshire, uh, well, they already have very low taxes. They eliminated or reduced, I should say, their tax uh, on Capital gains slightly. Uh, so New Hampshire is already getting blue ribbons left and right because they have no personal income tax and no sales tax at the state level. So uh, just a fraction of that kind of fiscal restraint in New Mexico would go a long way. Uh, New Hampshire does not have oil and gas. Uh, New Mexico could basically run itself with almost no taxes on you and I, and instead just uh, get the money from the oil and gas industry and uh, the property taxes that we already get. And uh, uh, we we could uh, be in plenty of uh, money as a state. But New Mexico is uh, not business friendly. We spend the money in the state government uh, for a lot of uh, junk, in my opinion, and uh it's not where we could and should be. And the fact that we have $3.5 billion annual surpluses and are not in the business of lowering income tax rates, it's uh, it's kind of sad and frustrating. So uh, even if the, the tax bill that is moving in this session is not, uh, if it's enacted, it's not going to reduce tax rates. It's just, again, shifting around the... Uh, the, the, bar- the barons, the, the various tax rates and uh, where they kick in. And that's fine. That'll save me some money. I'm not uh, upset about it, but we could be doing so much more with uh, big $3.5 billion surpluses.
1: All right. And in, in addition to uh, Paul's blogs regularly, posted at errors of enchantment.com uh, Paul, uh, from uh, from time to time, you, You send out one of those opinion pieces that land in uh, uh, local uh, media, including the Las Cruces Sun News. Uh, I'm going to remind the listener they can go find that uh, opinion piece on errorsofenchantment.com. But uh,
0: anything in that,
1: Paul, you want to highlight that we haven't already covered?
0: Well, it it is, uh, the article talks about uh, the oil and gas industry and how in the past, it had always been kind of a uh, an accepted bipartisan issue that the oil and gas industry would generate the money for the state and that the politicians would try to leave it alone. That is not the case in this uh, legislative session. Now, just because you get these bills introduced, whether it's a bill to increase the taxes on the oil and gas industry, the royalty payments, HB48, other bills like the Clean Fuel Standard, which we talked about earlier, mandating the use of only recycled water in oil and gas operations, HB30, opening up the Oil and Gas Act, HB133. Whatever the bill and the bill number, uh, and whether it passes or fails, I think this is a We're crossing a a Rubicon in this legislative session where certainly the progressive mindset is much more willing to undermine the oil and gas industry. Now, we'll see what passes in this session. But, of course, unless something changes of significance in the election, uh, all 112 members of the legislature are up in November if we say come back to the next legislative session with the same basic approach that we have uh, now, the base, basic, the same legislators, we're going to continue this slide towards full front, full frontal attacks on the uh, the industry and the revenues that come into New Mexico. Now, you know, we'll we'll see how this all shakes out. But uh, my hope is that New Mexicans will be not only concerned about where that revenue comes from, but also understand that uh, that money can be used to build prosperity, to reduce tax burdens, to attract businesses to New Mexico, to generate a more diversified economy. So if and when oil and gas does kind of fade as a revenue source and fade in importance, that we're well positioned for that uh, future. But right now... uh, while the politicians love to talk bad about the industry, they even want to attack it in legislation, there's really uh, very little in the way of a vision as to what we should be doing next.
1: Well, and, and part of what you mentioned, bringing business to New Mexico, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of your other blogs uh, talking about Intel and their investment in New Mexico, which is, you know, I mean, it's hard to... Uh, to boohoo uh, investment in New Mexico from businesses like Intel but when you know when you really compare Paul what's happening in New Mexico compared to Arizona uh,
0: it would be great to see some change that way too yeah now it, it's not just any state of course it is Arizona that I'm referring to in this post and uh, Arizona was, joined with New Mexico uh, historically, going back to the territorial days. Uh, Arizona has a lot in common with New Mexico, although uh, a few big things that it doesn't have in common. One is, and uh, it is common, is that, uh, well, two things they are different, sorry. Uh, one is that New Mexico and Arizona have been governed very differently. Arizona's always been a more conservative state. Now, recently, they elected a a pretty liberal governor. But historically speaking, Arizona's been much more of a conservative state. Uh, Secondly, Arizona doesn't have any oil and gas. New Mexico's got all the oil and gas. And yet, Arizona remains much more attractive, generally speaking, as a place for people to move to and uh, for business. And you really have seen stunning growth in that state for decades and decades, whereas New Mexico, we really had some high growth, especially in the post-war periods, but uh, in recent last decade or two, that's really kind of trailed off. Anyway... I I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm old enough to remember seven or eight years ago when Intel was widely rumored to be leaving. I had friends working there, and
1: I was routinely asking them, "So, what what do you think? What are you hearing? What's going on?"
0: Yeah, so it's good news that Intel. You know, of course, they're the big microchip manufacturer. They they're experiencing a bit of a boom right now because of this reshoring uh, approach uh, and the desire to make chips here in the United States uh, not have to bring them in from Taiwan, which is under threat, or other foreign countries. So there's there's a lot of reasons, but Intel is making some big investments. And they, uh, they did. They kept the Intel plant open, and they just celebrated the fact that They made that $3.5 billion investment in Rio Rancho, and it is uh, now open, and that's great, and I'm very happy to have that. However, Arizona is the destination for even more, much more of Intel's growth, and uh, they are currently in the process of investing $20 billion in the state of Arizona. That's about six times the investment in New Mexico, and Yes, now we think of Arizona, you know, with Phoenix and all of the people and the size of that state and uh, its population and its economy as being kind of oh, it's just much bigger than New Mexico. But we have to understand that it wasn't that long ago that Arizona had a smaller population than the state of New Mexico, and they just grew faster and continue to grow faster. And that that's a function largely of their better economic policies, more free market approach, et cetera. So um, I mean, yeah, it's it's good news that New Mexico got this investment. We're certainly happy that Intel did not uh, did not leave that they didn't shut up shut shut down uh, the the Intel plant here. but uh, there are uh, it's kind of in comparison, you got to look at what's going on in uh, other states. All right,
1: listen, uh, we're uh, just about headed into our final segment uh, for ABQ Connect today, the full hour with Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation. Go to RioGrandFoundation.org or uh, go to the website where you'll find most of the blogs uh, that we talked about today uh, at ErrorsOfEnchantment.com. We're going to take a quick break and finish it up after this on ABQ Connect. Thanks for joining us on ABQ Connect. We've got about uh, seven minutes to cover a couple of topics still uh, with our guests for the full hour today, Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation. Uh, and on the website at errorsofenchantment.com, uh, Paul addresses uh, properties here in the Albuquerque area. You know, many, some of these properties, uh, Paul, uh, that uh, you know, have caused problems uh, uh, you know, with crime or, or what have you. Uh, graffiti. And uh, the, the the part of what the city's has done, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, they've purchased some of these properties for open space, uh, but still uh, not much has
0: changed. Yeah. Um, the one I'm specifically referring to is uh, what's known as the former pool estate, P-O-O-L-E estate. Uh, for folks on the west side, they may be familiar with that one, it's uh off of Coors, if you go east down towards the river uh happens to be an area where I uh near near where I live and uh, walk the dogs the family dogs and have watched since the city uh, in March of 2021 took over this property it's a nice chunk of land there was some interesting uh there were some developers interested in it and there was uh, a lot of potential you know for the housing to be built and other things but the city swooped in and said we're going to make this open space so the city purchased it and they've done exactly nothing with that property since uh they bought it uh in 2021 so we're we're quickly approaching the third anniversary of the purchase of the pool estate by the city of albuquerque and we're just waiting and watching graffiti uh artists make their marks and uh watching the the space just sit empty and uh, you know it, it's an important issue because these are taxpayer dollars at stake. And you know one of the things that unfortunately happens more often than I would like in Albuquerque, we do have scarce land. I know we think of New Mexico as this place with wide open spaces, but there's actually a lack of developable land here in the Albuquerque metro area. We've got tribal lands to the north, mountains to the east, uh, Air Force Base uh, to the south and then the volcanoes to the west uh, and so there does need to be uh, a balancing of developments versus uh you know this kind of just purchase it put it off limits you know there are places that the open space makes a lot of sense but not everything can be open space so uh and you know once you get government involved in managing something, you're dealing with all of the bureaucracy and the slowness of action coming from government's uh, involvement. And that's something that is, I think, uh, showing its ugly head here. So we don't know, uh, even though we're neighbors, what exactly is going to be done with the pool estate and when it's going to be done. Uh, it's uh, If you really want to check it out, it's uh, off of course. Down uh, Namaste is the name of the road just north of St. Pius High School in the Oxbow community over there.
1: And, and, and Paul, uh, to your knowledge, is, is this an isolated uh, situation with the properties that uh, the, the government, specifically the city,
0: has purchased? Purchased, yes, because they don't purchase that much open space. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, and maybe I'm talking more of a decade ago, they uh, there was plans to not far away from where we are here at Calvary, to build a Walmart on Osuna. And I think counselor then Debbie O'Malley uh, got wind of that and said, no, we're not letting you build a Walmart. We need a balloon landing site in that location. So they bought the land and put it off limits. And, uh, you know, again, there just needs to be a balancing act. Governments uh, having money just sitting around and being able to purchase any land that some neighbors don't want to be developed is not the way this should work, especially in a city that's dealing with a self-identified housing crisis. We, we need to, again, balance these these factors out, and uh, uh, that's that's not what's happening. All
1: right, well, and we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, uh, Just about uh, every month as we meet uh, regularly, uh, and it's already made it into the conversation today, EVs, and we've talked about plenty of reasons why the mandates uh, that uh, are being pushed um, aren't a good idea and and reasons to consider not uh, supporting such mandates. Uh, But (laughs) this this was just kind of common sense that, uh, it sounds like, Paul, someone almost, almost was like, you know, uh, th- this should be considered <laughs> when you talk about EVs as far as safety. And it's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Um, again, it's something that, uh, you know, we have at the Rio Grande Foundation fought battles in the public sphere and criticized EV mandates and especially those passed by unelected bureaucracies uh, appointed by the governor as was done uh, last year in November. And we did a lot of research for that and trying to figure out uh, exactly what some of these problems are with EVs. And again, our issue is not the technology. Our issue is with the subsidies and mandates that are forcing people to buy what we believe to be an inferior technology. But uh, the Associated Press Reported on January 31st, 2024, that a a study had come out from the University of Nebraska showing that the weight of electric vehicles, which is 20 to 50 percent more than gas-powered vehicles, thanks to their batteries uh, and their low centers of gravity – the nation's guardrail system, uh, which you know lines large swaths of this country, especially in a state like New Mexico, with a lot of elevation changes and roads that, if you make a wrong turn, you could fly fly off the uh, the cliff there. Um, those guardrails do little to stop electric vehicles from pushing through the barriers. Now, it sounds. You know, it's not a laughing matter. Obviously, these are important safety devices, both for the protection of the person driving the electric vehicle. Uh, you don't want anybody driving off a cliff; that's for sure, a bad i bad thing. But there are other highways across the state, and the one that really comes to my mind is between here and Farmington on Five Fifty, where it is a divided highway, but it is one big slab of uh, of pavements separated by. Nothing more than a guardrail in the middle of the road. And, you know, if you're driving late at night or something, somebody loses control of an electric vehicle and gets into the other lane and is not stopped by the uh uh by the the guardrail that is a very very dangerous situation especially if you're driving a gas powered vehicle and they're driving a an EV with that center of gravity and that additional weight that is going to cause some real problems on our nation's roads and again this is something that I just happened to see I was not uh, uh you know researching and trying to find uh, more dirt on electric vehicles, but I will give the mainstream media credit where credit is due. They have been doing a lot of good work uh, reporting on some of the serious issues with these electric vehicles. And uh, this is just the latest on that big pile. All
1: right. Well, Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation. Paul, thanks for your time again today. We'll look forward to getting another update after the uh, legislative session in the roundhouse next month.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Looking forward to the session closing, and uh, we're, we're going to be safe again after that. <laughs> okay. And, uh, again, go to RioGrandFoundation.org
1: or to ErrorsOfEnchantment.com. Also, I would encourage you to go to Uh, nmlegis, L-E-G-I-S, uh, dot gov. uh Check out the webcast. Uh, they're in session right now. You can check out the House, Chamber, or the Senate, uh, and the discussions going on, and uh, be informed. And tune in daily at one o'clock to do that as well. Thanks for listening to ABQ Connect.